0: Welcome, those who are joining us by web stream this morning, thank you so much. And we want to give a special shout out to Marvin and Valerie, who unfortunately are not able to be with us. As our intercessors know, Valerie was taken to the hospital last evening and they kept her. They may keep her for a couple of days. So God bless you, Marvin and Valerie. As a church family, we want you to know we are praying for you. Church, will you just extend your hand right now? Father? In the name of Jesus, we have just declared that you are God, our healer. And we ask you right now, in the name of Jesus, to reach down your hand and touch Valerie. We rebuke whatever it is in her body that is not in alignment with your will and your plan. We curse it, we command it to leave her body in the name of Jesus. And we speak shalom over Valerie, shalom over Marvin and her family. Knowing that you are their God, you will in no wise ever leave them Or forsake them and we give you praise we give you honor we give you glory in Jesus name amen amen church amen it's so good to come together in agreement isn't it praise God well we really uh, are excited about this new series that we launched last Sunday Jesus is better You need to know in your life as a Christian that Jesus is better. And that is the understatement of the century. There may be some people or some things that you may think you will never, ever be able to live without. But I want you to know this morning that Jesus is exceedingly better than anyone or anything and when you find him you have found the pearl of great price so that it requires you go sell all that you have so that you could buy that field and secure that pearl of great price for he is a treasure beyond all compare and as we close the message Last Sunday, it's our prayer that the Lord would take us up with him into the Mount of Transfiguration. And there we behold him in all of his glory. And as we behold him, he transfigures us as well. Because the word of God says that he is changing us from glory unto glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. But that change cannot take place unless we set our gaze upon Jesus. Unless we've discovered that he is the altogether lovely one and there is no one, nothing else in all this world that can compare to him. So that when we see him, As better than that there will not be anyone or anything that will vie for the affection of our hearts because we've been utterly persuaded that Jesus is superior that Jesus is supreme and that Jesus is better so this morning we're looking into chapter 1 and we will read as our text this morning verses 1 through 3 So if you have your Bibles, you could turn in your Bibles or read with me. And I realize that I picked up my wrong Bible. So I will read off the screen because I believe we're reading from the uh, English Standard Version. So thank you, Jack. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, join me in reading has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. May God add his rich blessing to the reading of his word. Now, after last week's lengthy introduction to this new study, we're finally opening chapter 1 and beginning in verse 1. We want to dive in this morning. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. If there is one fundamental truth that you must know and embrace about the God that you say you love and serve is this, that he is a speaking God." We learn about this in the very beginning because as we open our Bibles to Genesis chapter one and verse one, we read in the beginning God. We're all familiar with that verse of scripture. But then we go down to verse three and we read these words, and God said. God is a speaking God. And in order to create these worlds, and this universe, and this earth, he said. And on the first day, he said, let there be light, and there was light. And if you read through that chapter, you will learn that for six consecutive days, we read the same words. And God said. I don't know if it blows your mind, but it certainly blows mine. That with just the spirit, spoken word of God. The theologians call it eknihilo, out of nothing. You know, when we create, we always have something to create with. Right? You buy the package, you buy the parts, you put them together, you create them. But when God creates, He just speaks. And when He spoke, The universe was flung into space with its bazillion galleries and thousands of stars that are bazillion light years away. I mean, can you imagine just by his spoken word? You know, we live such busy lives that we don't take time to smell the coffee. And how about smelling the roses and discovering how many different hybrids and how many different roses and I mean I learned that ferns one of my favorite green plants there are thousands of species of ferns and of animals I mean it just blows your mind when you think about the creativity of God we were talking about apples the other day there are about hundred and thirty I believe I understand species if that's the right word of apples But there are hundreds of others that somehow have not continued to be cultivated. But when God created, he said, let there be thousands of apples, all varieties of apples. Because when God creates, he is just so magnificent and so lavish and so abundant in the way that he does things. So he did this for six days. And on the sixth day, we come to the end of chapter 1 and read in verse 6. After God created all of the animals who would dwell on the face of the earth that day, he spoke and he said, he opened his mouth, he spoke and he said, let us make man in our image. And so we read in verse 27 and 28, so God created male and female, in his own image. Then what did God do? God spoke to Adam and Eve and he said, be fruitful and multiply. The first thing he did with his new creation was to speak to them. Do you know why God created us? He created us because he wanted people to fellowship with. He wanted people to whom he could speak and with whom we could speak to him as well. God created us. He wired us. It's in our DNA to have communication. You know, the reality of that was brought home to me as I read about Frederick II, who was emperor. I know you probably never heard of him, neither did I and until I read this. He was the emperor of Germany and Italy. I don't know how that worked in the 12th century. But we know that many of these despots, they were, they were just all not there. I think a lot of it was just the powers of darkness uh, filled their hearts and minds, but it made them do some very strange things. And Frederick decided that he wanted to find out what language a child would speak if no one ever spoke to them. And so he embarked on this very cruel experiment as he took a number of the orphaned babies in his kingdom and he ordered the nurses, feed them, clothe them, care for them, but never speak a word to them. Because he wanted to see that perhaps would a child, when they're able to speak, would they just biologically speak the language of their biological parents? Or perhaps never having heard anyone speak, maybe they're going to speak the ancient language of Hebrew or Greek or Latin or Arabic. But can you imagine the results of this experiment? None of those children spoke any language, but instead died because they could not live without being spoken to. And neither can we live without being spoken to. I know that we take it for granted, but have you ever wondered what this world would be like without communication? And just imagine if God had never spoken. First of all, the world wouldn't exist because he spoke the world into existence. If God had never spoken, we would never know who we are and uh, the reason he created us. We would never know who God is and what he's thinking and what he desires and what he wants and what his plans and his purposes are. We would never know right from wrong. We wouldn't know the word of God. We wouldn't know how to pray. It all comes because God communicated. If he had not communicated, we would have been Empty creatures, alone, afraid, and without faith. And sadly, we know that there are so many in our world just like that. God is a communicator. God speaks. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And they know the voice of their shepherd. Because we were made in the image of God, he made us also to be communicators. Have you ever thought about what kind of existence you would have if you had no ability to communicate? You sat down in a diner. How would you tell the waiter or waitress what you wanted to eat? I guess you could point to the menu, but how would you tell your auto mechanic what's wrong with your car? How would you describe to the doctor the pain that you're feeling in your body? It's because we have the ability to communicate that so many needs of our lives that we take for granted, those needs are met. And if we did not have the ability to communicate, we would be bereft of those needs being met, and we would be emotionally wounded and disabled. And as I was thinking about it, it made me realize the truth of God's word that is driven home because it is so literally true, life and death are in the power of the tongue. The words that we communicate have power to impart life or to impart death. I don't want to get off on a tangent there, but there are so many people that have been so wounded by words. And apart from God's Holy Spirit bringing supernatural healing, they go through life paralyzed, needing crutches, because their hearts have been hurt by words. It's also through words that we receive life and affirmation and encouragement. It's through verbal communication that we convey affection. And can I ask, when was the last time you told significant people in your life that you loved them? Or do we just take it for granted that they know? Do we understand telling others, even those in the body of Christ, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So then, why is it so difficult for us to say to one another, I love you, brother, or I love you, sister? Maybe, 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 maybe it's because we really don't love them. That's a problem. But that's another sermon. And I just want to encourage all of us this morning to think about the importance of conveying through communication the love that we feel and have in our hearts for those who are so important to us, not only in our immediate circle, but also in the body of Christ. Tony Gaskins well said, communication to a relationship is like oxygen to life. What would we do without oxygen? We would die. And that's what happens to relationships that don't get the oxygen of communication. Communication is our lifetime, lifeline. The the healthfulness of our homes and our families depends on communication. When marriages break up, when friendships topple, you get to the root cause and you always find that somehow, somewhere along the line, there was a failure to communicate. And we hear it all the time, don't we? They stopped communicating. Maybe somebody in this church this morning or online needs to hear, you need to communicate. You need to communicate what's in your heart. You need to use communication to build up, to encourage, to edify, and to bless. And God forbid, the worst thing you can do is to retreat into silence. Because that's the death knell. It's often been said that silence is deafening. But I've coined a new word. Silence is also deafening. Next slide, please. None of us want to be responsible for imparting death. The words of Jesus become all the more meaningful, do they not, in the light of what we've been sharing this morning? Man does not live by bread alone. We think we need food to sustain our existence, but we can't exist without God speaking to us. And understand this morning, this goes beyond opening your Bible and reading it because sometimes we're just reading black letters on a white page. God wants to speak to us through his word. And if we don't read this with an attitude of prayer, inviting the author to interpret it for us, then we're just going through our ritual. Oh, I'm a Christian and I read my chapter today or three chapters, or whatever Bible reading plan. i got to get through my Bible so I can tell everybody I've read through the whole Bible this year. Well, how much has God spoken to your heart? Because that word needs to enter into our hearts. The word of God is an engrafted word. It needs to become part and parcel of who we are. It needs to get into our DNA and change us. Some of us have some DNA that is ruining us. But you know, there's there's a divine transfiguration that can take place as the Word of God that is powerful. This Word is, you you think sometimes I'm taking medicine, it's going to knock this thing out of me. Well, I want you to know the Word of God can knock things out of us that no medicine will ever knock out. And I'm not talking about physical things, As much as I'm talking about emotional and spiritual things and uh, strongholds and bondages that we're in, we need the Word of God that's a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces and brings us into that place of wholeness through Jesus Christ. We need the Word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. As believers, we can never sustain our existence without hearing His voice. I love what A.W. Tozer said God is not silent. It's the nature of God to speak. You know when someone's nature they just do it. That's God's nature. He just speaks. He's speaking now. But do we have ears to hear? Do we have hearts that are open to hear what he is wanting to say? No wonder that in the seven letters to the seven churches, he that has ears to hear. Yes, they were reading the letter that John wrote to the seven churches, but were they hearing what the Spirit was saying through those words to the church? It's the nature of God to speak. The second person of the Holy Trinity is called the Word. He's the Logos. He's the expression. He is the communication of God himself. And the Bible, the Holy Scripture, is the inevitable outcome of God's continuous speech, the declaration of his mind. So can we not better understand why Paul is saying what he's saying to these Hebrew Christians? Why he is opening this book, this chapter with these words? Because these Christians, these Jewish believers are thinking about defecting from the faith. Oh, this, this is too hard following Jesus. We're really not sure anymore if it's all about him because, you know, all my life it was about Moses and the law. And I've hidden the word of those five books of the law in my heart. And I'm in synagogue reading and studying and... And then Jesus comes along, it's like a new religion comes along, am I supposed to believe a new religion? (laughs) But the writer to the Hebrews is showing this isn't a new religion, this is a new relationship. And it's a relationship with someone who is far better than any prophet, far better than any man, far better than any ritual, far better than any sacrifice, far better than any festival. He was all through the Old Testament as a type, but now, here, He is the substance. He lived. He walked among us. He he hung on that cross so that we could have access to God. And so, in those opening words of this letter, these weary, worn, and persecuted group of believers come face to face with these words, God speaks. God sees, God hears, and he listens to the cries of his people. The big question is, well, how does he speak? You know, before there was a Bible, before there was any word of God, God was still speaking. And the scripture tells us very plainly and very clearly that God speaks with a booming, thunderous voice through his creation. I love the words of Psalm 19, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship day after day after day. They continue to speak night after night. They make him known. They speak without a sound, without a word. Their voice is never heard yet. Their message goes throughout the whole earth and into the whole world. (laughs) What are they telling us? You look up into a night sky and you see the bazillion of stars sparkling there and you acknowledge that just could not by some chance have taken place. It took God. It took a creator. It took someone who was almighty and all-powerful to create something so magnificent and so mind-bending. You cannot comprehend the majesty and the glory of what God put up there in space. Such an awesome God. And so when we look up to the heaven, it shouts the voice of God and declares the glory of the one who created it all. But we learn in Hebrews, God didn't stop there. He also spoke through his prophets. Now, God had prophets. He still has prophets. But these Jewish believers understood that those prophets, they were the voice of God. And so, perhaps they need to give their attention more to the prophets and what their prophecies were than to this Jesus who walked on this earth and then was crucified. God, verse 1, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets in various times. Let's get a better handle on exactly what is meant by that word, times. It's not a reference to the notion that in times past, God spoke every now and then. So, this time he spoke, that time he didn't speak. No, that, that's not what it is saying here. It is rather saying, and some translators have captured the meaning of it by instead of translating that word time as time, they translate it as portions. One of the clearest examples, and there are several versions of the scripture that translate that word portions instead of time. But I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth, and in different ways God spoke of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets. What's he saying there? That in the Old Testament God spoke through the prophets in many different portions. That is to say not one of them received the whole revelation. This one received a part, another one received this part, another one received this part. But each of them did not receive the whole, only a part. No single revelation was final or complete through the voice of just one man. And we know that's the problem with these cultic religions that have taken over so much of the world today. They've come through the voice of one man or woman, and people now have given themselves to a religion that is not founded on the authority of an eternal God, but on the voice of a prophet, Muhammad. And so Islam grows by leaps and bounds all because of one person who received the whole revelation. Or Mary Baker Eddy in Christian Science, or Joseph Smith in Mormonism. People are now giving themselves to these religious faiths because of what a man or woman had to say, declaring and alleging this was the revelation from God. And all of those people are dead. But the writer to the Hebrews is saying, Jesus is not dead. He is the Son of God with great glory. And so God only spoke to the prophets in portions. And he also spoke in various ways in old times. That refers to the manner in which God spoke. There were different methods that he used. We know to Moses, he spoke in a burning bush. To the children of Israel at the foot of Mount Horeb, he spoke through fire and smoke. Through Elijah on Mount Horeb, he whispered with a still, small voice. To Isaiah through a vision in the holy place. When God wanted to speak to Israel, he spoke through Hosea. Who he was commanding to marry a prostitute, so that I, so that Israel would understand that that's how much I love you, though you've been an unfaithful Israel, though you've been an unfaithful bride to me. I still will go to the marketplace and buy you back because I love you, and uh, you have been called by my name. To Jeremiah, he spoke in the potter's house. Through clay and through Joseph, he spoke in dreams. The prophets were primarily the way that God used to speak. But in verse 2, we read these words. But now, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. Not a man, not a prophet as holy as he may have been. He has spoken to us in his son. And by the way, if you just allow me to deviate for one second because this to me was an interesting insight that I want to share with you when he says in these last days. I know as Christians we always talk in terms of we are living in the last days. But do you know biblically when the Bible speaks about the last days and the end times, preceding the coming of the Lord, he is speaking about it is speaking about that period of time after Jesus ascended to heaven and said, I will come again in like manner as I've gone away to the time of his second coming. Or if you prefer hearing the rapture of the church. That's how the Christians of the first century lived. With the awareness, with the consciousness, today may be the day Jesus will come again. I wonder how many of us, and I've had to ask myself this question, so I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. When was the last time I got up or through the course of the day thought, today may be the day of his return? No wonder the scripture says, that when we have this blessed hope in us, of his second appearing, that we will purify ourselves. It will cause us to live a more circumspect life. It will cause us to walk in holiness. It will cause us to walk without compromise. It will cause us to know that I need to walk in such a way because I don't want to be ashamed before him, as John writes, at his coming but he finds me ready. He finds me with oil in my lamp. I'm prepared. If Jesus comes right now, I am ready. There's nothing between my soul and the Savior. I've settled all accounts, and I'm right with God, and God is right with me." Now, if 2,000 years have elapsed since that first century, But the early believers, that's how they lived every day of their lives. It was a hope that was burning brightly within them. Now we're living in the 21st century, and the words of Peter are coming to fulfillment. That in the last days, there will be scoffers who are saying, where is the promise of his coming? We've been waiting for 2,000 years. He still hasn't come, and guess what? He's probably not going to come for another 2,000 years. God have mercy on us for failing to take God at his word and to understand that we need to be ready at all times for he is coming as a thief in the night. We must be prepared. And so the apostle Paul writes to the Romans, and now consider this. You know well the times you are living in. It's time for you to wake up the 21st century church in the west especially needs to wake up see what is right before your eyes for your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed know oh, how differently we would live our lives if we understood it could be today so paul is saying to these jewish believers You give so much attention, so much honor to the prophets. You revere Moses and Abraham. I mean, to this day, they are the holiest in the Jewish religion. Even though they have their rabbis who they also revere, but I mean Moses and Abraham, or I should say Abraham and Moses chronologically. But the writer of the Hebrews is saying, I, I, I know you honor them, but let me remind you of who this Jesus is. They gave you a portion of the revelation of what God wanted you to know. But Jesus, the Son of God, He is the full and the final revelation. He's the last word. He is not only the messenger. He is the message that God wants you to hear, to know, and to have. Notice that phrase in verse 2, by his son. That is better understood being rephrased in such a person as a son because the emphasis here is not so much on what he is speaking but on who he is. It's his character. These prophets were mere men. They were men who faltered, who fell. Abraham wasn't perfect. Moses wasn't perfect. Each of them had sin in their lives. Moses was a murderer. Abraham was a liar. To save his own neck, he was putting his wife out there at risk. These were sinful men, but yet God, in mercy and grace, chose to use them. But Jesus the character of the Son of God. He's the expression of the heart of God. He's the message. This this Word who was made flesh and dwelt among us. We saw the spotless life that He lived. He never sinned. He never committed a wrong. His whole goal and passion in life was to please the Father in everything. Hear him. And isn't that what God the Father said while Jesus walked on the face of this earth? There were two occasions when he spoke out of heaven and he said, this is my beloved son. Yeah, you like Moses? You like Abraham? Forget about them. They gave you a portion. But this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And in these last days, God is still speaking, revealing himself through his son. And make no mistake, it's a revelation of divine love because Jesus, he's full of grace and he's full of truth. Now, some people are looking for a sugar daddy who will only pat them on the shoulder and give them hugs. But Jesus will confront you with the truth. He's uncompromised. He says it Like it is. And when people hear it, church people, not kingdom people, church people, they leave the church because they're offended. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to touch. Pastor, don't preach that way. That offends me. You're talking about my pet sin. You're talking about what I think and what I feel and what I want. Well, I have more respect for what I think and what I feel and what I want than what you have to say. Sorry, I will someday stand before God and give an account for what I have said from this pulpit. Whether it offends or doesn't offend, it's the truth of God and we need to hear it. The whole purpose for God sending his son is to lead us back to the Father. And that's why Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man, no man goes to the Father but by me. There's only one way. It's not through a religion, it's not through a church, it's not through a dogma, it's not through a ritual, it's not through a sacrifice, it's through Jesus the perfect sacrifice, who gave himself on the cross. And on that cross, he still speaks to us today. He speaks to us of his love. He speaks to us, us of his life that he wants to impart. He speaks to us of the power he wants to give us so that we could live victorious lives. But as we take communion this morning, I want us to know that he speaks to us of the price that he paid for our salvation. You know, as Christians, we could so easily forget. And that is the very reason why Jesus said, you do this in remembrance of me. Because if we didn't have communion, we would go along our merry way and forget about the cross. Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Jesus Christ. Why do Christians get filled up with pride? Because they've forgotten the cross. Why do they get arrogant and prideful? Because they've forgotten the cross. They forgot that Jesus hung there for that pride, for that arrogance. It nailed him to that cross. And as we partake today, I want us to hear the voice of Jesus speaking to us personally. And it reminded me of a hymn that we used to sing. I think part of the legacy, I've just been thinking about this, part of the legacy that I will leave with High Street Worship Center whenever that day comes that I retire, that I, I reminded you of some old hymns that some of you know nothing about because churches just don't sing them anymore. But in the first Italian Christian Pentecostal church of Camden, we would often sing, I gave my life for thee. And when the Holy Spirit anoints those words to our hearts, it breaks us. It crushes us to think of the price that he paid. And so before we receive communion this morning, I want us to give attention to this song, that either you could listen to or we could sing together, but let the message of the voice of Jesus speak to our hearts today and acknowledge that love that is so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Let's prayerfully prepare our hearts as media puts that up this morning.